Christians often engage in bibliolatry. What is bibliolatry? We worship the Bible. We might not mean to, but it often happens. So let's talk about it. This is the Dangerous Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Williams. This episode is going to be in two parts. The first part, we are going to talk theology. And just a heads up, it's going to get pretty deep. So stay zoned in and uh, we'll get to the second part. And in the second part, we're going to be talking about practice. What does it mean on an everyday level when it comes to bibliolatry? So let's start with the first. Uh, you know, uh, I would encourage you potentially to listen uh, once more or twice more to this, uh, this part of the episode because it can get pretty deep. But if you don't, that's okay. Let, let's dive in. I want to start by clarifying the Bible is not God. But it comes from God. It tells us things that God wants us to know, and it points us to God himself. The The whole point of the Bible is to point us back to God himself, who he is, uh, his Trinitarian nature, the, uh, the, the nature of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to phrase it this way. More specifically, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus Christ who came to earth to glorify the Father. Do you see that triune description a little bit there? But anyways, uh, the Bible is not God. This can be confusing because of the terms that we use. We say the Bible is the Word, or the Bible is the Word of God. But then we also say that about Jesus, right? We say Jesus is the Word. And so using some good old geometry, I don't mean to give you some PTSD flashbacks to, to high school or whatever, but using some good old geometry, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, right? So, so if the Bible's the Word of God and Jesus is the Word of God, therefore the Bible is Jesus. The Bible's God. But we use similar words, but, but it's not quite true in that geometric sense. So let's, let's, let's keep talking about it. We subconsciously think that the Bible is God sometimes because we use the same words, even though when we spell it out, we actually say the Bible is God. It's like, it sounds really funny, and we're like, eh, that, that, that doesn't sound right. So we have to make sure we define our terms clearly. The Bible is the Word of God because it comes from God, and it is the message and story of God's plan for salvation for all of humanity through Jesus Christ. It's all made possible by Jesus. The Bible does not have a mind. It's not a person. It's not living. It's not dynamic. It doesn't have free will. It's not a person of the Trinity. There was a time when the Bible did not exist in any form. And uh, this might sound heretical. Stay with me here. The Bible also is unnecessary in the ultimate sense. The tr uh, so, so I'm going to put it this way. The Bible's unnecessary. The reason why I say that is because, uh, think about the New Testament. There was a time when you were a Christian back in the early days, and you didn't have the New Testament. 
So all you had was the Old Testament. However, due to the teachings of Jesus and the apostles and some of the oral teachings going around, you could still be a good Christian and follow the truths of the Bible in a way before the Bible even existed in the, in the way we have it today. So the Bible's unnecessary in, in a book form or a scroll form. The truths of the Bible will exist forever. So when Jesus says things in the gospel and Paul says things in his epistles, those things are still true even if, you know, they were never quite written down. They would still be truth. And and so I want to, to, to say those things. But the Bible is very important. And uh, we do need it for today. But it's unnecessary in a way that Jesus will never be unnecessary. And so, however, that moves to Jesus. None of that applies to Jesus. Jesus has a mind. Jesus is a person. He does have free will. He is a part of the Trinity. Jesus has always existed. Jesus is very necessary because God is the basis of all things. We know from Scripture that through Jesus all things came to be. Jesus is the Word in that he emanates or is begotten of the Father from eternity. So that gets into some classical theology back from the early centuries of the church. He's begotten of the Father from eternity. He's, uh, you know, he's the word, the logos or logos, the breath, the life of God as he speaks. There's a lot here to meditate on, the mystery, the theology, but you would not say those things of the Bible. So, um, you know, you wouldn't say that the book of the Bible, you know, with the 66 individual books, was around for eternity. You know, uh, when God uh, spoke things into existence, out popped the King James Bible. No, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say it was through the Bible that all things were created. But you would say that of Jesus. So we have to be very careful that, that just subconsciously, the way we use these terms, we don't mix them up. And we know what we mean. The Bible's not God, but the Bible comes from God. The prepositions are important. The Bible comes from God. The Bible is about God and about Jesus. The, but the Bible is not God. And so we want to be careful there. So that's part one. That's theological. And hopefully I didn't butcher it too much. Hopefully you're not too confused. So we're going to move on to part two in everyday life. And so uh, this is how we commit bibliolatry in everyday life. We take the Bible and we use it for ourselves. The whole point of reading scripture is to meditate on the very nature being and works of God. You go to the Bible for, for for the relational aspect because you want to worship your Father in heaven. You want to uh, grow closer to Jesus Christ. You want to learn more about the Holy Spirit. It's always relational. But I'm guilty of doing what I'm about to say next. Sometimes I'll go to the Bible just for comfort. All right, Bible, make me feel better. And so I'll read some Psalms. I'll go to the Bible for some theology. All right, Bible, uh, help me to figure out my own uh, uh, my own thoughts and my own beliefs. And then I'll go to the Bible for therapy. I'll go to the Bible for this and that and the other. And so what happens is the Bible becomes a manual for self-improvement. It's at that point where I start to worship the Bible. And I say, oh, God, I don't need you. I have the Bible. 
oh God, I don't need you, your advice and your wisdom because I have the Bible. Now, don't get confused. The Bible's wisdom and advice does come from God. That's true. But what happens is if it doesn't lead you deeper into the devotion of an actual being, God himself, uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, three in one, then what happens is you just have a book. And the book has some interesting stories, which is great. The book has some uh, advice and, and stuff that, you know, some self-help stuff that might be great, like Proverbs. Okay, I need to be kind. Great. I need to work hard. Great. All right. And then we go out and, and we try to live by the Bible without the relationship. That's bibliolatry. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us that's supposed to illuminate the Bible. We're supposed to grow deeper in our affections and our love for Jesus Christ. And then, you know, and so we want to make, be careful that we don't love the Bible so much that we cut out the God who desires to have a relationship with us. Why? Because, oh, we got the manual for ourselves and we're good. Um, I think the Pharisees were guilty of this as well in the, in the New Testament, the descriptions in the Gospels. The Pharisees had the law of God, but instead of using that law to draw the people closer to the God of the Old Testament, the Pharisees simply said, all right, this is your self-help manual. Just try hard. Be good enough, you know, and, and, we'll, and we'll help you. We'll tell you what to do. But the relationship aspect was cut off. It was kind of like, all right, you got this because you have the law, as opposed to you got this because you worship the God of creation. Those are two very different things. But anyways, um, you know, something I wanted to share with you, something that I've had on my mind forever. And so tell me what you think. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I'm working on a YouTube channel right now that we'll, ha be, we'll have up and running. Um, and I'll be putting that out more publicly soon. But anyways, tell me what you think. I'd love to hear it. We're going to move on now to our devotional for today. And we're going to be finishing up Ephesians chapter 6 verses 21 through 23, so the very end. I'll read. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am doing and how I am. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. All right, so I hope you all have enjoyed the book of Ephesians. And so I wanted to quickly summarize what I was trying to do through these devotionals. Sometimes we can psych ourselves out when it comes to reading the Bible. We're like, I don't have a fancy degree I don't know the original languages, the Greek and the Hebrew and a little bit of Aramaic and Daniel. And so, like, oh, I guess I can't read my Bible and I'm reliant on my pastor on Sundays to talk to me. And so there is a point where pastors are good and teachers and theologians, but the Bible was meant to be read by everyone. And so I hope by simplifying things, I didn't get into a whole bunch of complicated theology 
I didn't get into the languages, but through reading these individual passages, you can uh, get things out of it. You know, you can learn about Jesus and you can grow closer to God. And so I hope that y'all have enjoyed these devotionals. You don't need a fancy degree to grow close to the, the God that we worship. Secondly, I want y'all to see the affection of Paul in this finishing uh, passage. These are real people. Sometimes we, we read funny Bible names like Tychicus, if I'm even pronouncing that correctly. And we're like, oh, that just sounds funny, la la la. Um, and so we read how Paul is sending these letters for encouragement. And we're like, oh, that's nice. But these are real, actual people. They had relationships. They had arguments. They struggled together. They lived together. And they worried about each other. And so we don't want to forget that because sometimes we're a couple thousand years removed. The pers- that personal element can uh, be lost on us if we don't uh, really try to bring it to the front. And then finally, we need theology and ministry to be together. Paul did this beautifully. He starts out with theology. He'll sometimes go over different points in the gospel. He'll talk about the role of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, etc., etc. But then he'll finish up with on-the-ground ministry. And so they go together. So make sure we're always thinking through our theology biblically, but also we're taking that theology And that needs to transform us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can go out and do ministry and love the community, love our local church, and just try to uh, be lights to the world, right? And so I hope y'all have enjoyed these devotionals, and uh, I'll figure out what book we're doing next. But anyways, I'm going to pray, and then we'll sign off. Father, uh, thank you for faithful servants like Paul. Thank you for all those who came before us, who set good examples. And uh, Lord, not that we have to try to be like them, because they weren't perfect either, Lord. But we are trying to be like your son, Jesus Christ. And so thank you for uh, faithful servants. Help us to be a faithful servant, Lord. Help us to love you and to serve well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, I hope you go out and you're encouraged this weekend, and uh, I'll sign off. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.